Hello, everybody. It is the first Ides of 2016. I am Jackson Tyler. This is Trash Picks Ratio. With me, as always, is my friends, Destiny Stedevant. Hi. Kyle Turner. Are my friends. Hi, I'm Kyle. All right. Uh, Kyle Turner, no longer among the friends. <laughs> <laughs> and Matthew Marco. Hi. Hi. See? Uh, how's everyone doing? How's everyone doing? Normal intro, standard intro here. I'm alright. I'm I'm doing okay. It was a good uh, start to the year, movie wise. What What have you seen? I guess we can get straight into it, unless anyone has any holiday anecdotes they wish to share. About a writer that I like on Grinder. Yeah. Okay. Are you gonna name names? Um, I think it was Nolan Feeney who writes for Time and The Atlantic. I also found the executive creative director of Vice on Tinder. Oh, internet. Oh. And I found Cole Escola, the comedian, on Grindr. I love him! Yes. Yeah, that, that was, those were the highlights of my New York trip. Did you, <laughs> uh, did you grind them? I don't know what you do with a <laughs> grinder. <laughs> I, did me- I did message uh, uh, Cole and Nolan, um, neither of whom responded. Rude. I, I know. Did you message them like knowing who they were, or did you just pretend you were just saying hi? Uh, I didn't realize it was Nolan Feeney until I looked a little bit closer at his face in this picture, and I was like, "Wait, are you a writer?" And they just never responded. And then with Cole, I made a reference to one of his videos, the "I'm a Real Mom" one, and I was like, "Hey, aren't you a real mom?" And that probably like <laughs> was a. An indicator to not talk to me. Did you ever read that thing he wrote with Jeffrey Self about... Uh, it was like a fake aim chat between Tyra Banks and Rachel Ray? <laughs> oh no, but that sounds up my alley. I love Jeffrey Self. Oh man, it was like the funniest thing I've ever read in my life. I'll have to send it to you. They used to have this blog together called Sister Sister the Blog. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just it was just beautiful. That's pretty good. I don't have any... Uh, hold the anecdotes but we all saw there's one movie we all saw which we're now like four years late in internet years mm. no people are still posting think oh. pieces about it they'll never stop uh, <laughs> and yeah maybe i'm just like tired of them maybe i maybe it's just me maybe i am tired of the discourse eventually they'll stop because they'll put out another movie yeah and there'll be new think pieces yeah but there will never be a stop to the Poe Dameron fin- Ugh. fan art. Nor should there be. That's true. Ugh. Very true. Nobody Ugh. wants to hear it, Kyle. Nobody wants to hear it. Nobody wants- it's what? ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Wait, hang on. Are you defending the thick pieces but bemoaning the fan art? This is a position I cannot get behind. There are thick pieces bemoaning fan art? No, no, no. I'm saying, are you defending the thick pieces but bemoaning the fan art? Yes. This is. I, I cannot even begin to to say how wrong an opinion I believe that to be. How patriarchal of you, Kyle? We're all disappointed. <laughs> Whoops. Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, but yeah. Can we, I at least have uh, my say? I mean, I was about to intro the movie, and then we can actually do this. Okay, intro the movie. It's a little film you've probably not heard about. <laughs> <laughs> Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens uh, came out in December. Uh, uh, the day after the Ides and we all went and saw it 
And what did everyone think? Who actually wants to go first, given their Star Wars feels? You know what? I think Destiny should go first. Yeah, I was deference. about to volunteer, but okay. No, for the, for the long road it's been. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. I'm the newbiest noob of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Next to my sister Tabitha, who saw it as her first Star Wars film and came, with it, came, came back uh, with the following opinion. Chewbacca is so funny. <laughs> which which I, I thought that was like a great thing to say. She's not wrong. No, she was so cute. Um, anyway, I really like this movie. I thought it was a welcome, like refreshing film after the overwritten prequels because it's more like simple, like the original trilogy. And I know everybody's like, oh, because it just stole the plot and remixed it. And it's like, well, yeah, but so what? It was really entertaining. And um, it's not like that isn't a lot of other movies. But also, I was just going to say, opening with just Luke Skywalker has vanished. Like, you you knew it was going to be a different kind of movie. Just from that. Just from how simple that is to grasp and how you don't need a lot of context other than that. All you need to know is, oh, it's there's the who and then the what. And now we're going to find out everything else. And I thought that the character development was amazing. I loved the casting. Ray is the kind of character I wish there were more of in fiction, especially big popcorny genre movies like this one. Um, I don't know. What is there to say that hasn't been said other than Kyle, what's wrong with you? That Poe Dameron stuff is great. And it's the only reason I'm no, still interested not. in this movie. So uh, but yeah. Uh, I'm just going to talk over you. I, I think that, um, yeah, no, I, I can't really, like, everything I liked about it, like, it even made me like Han Solo, and I've always hated Han Solo. It's because it's he sucks in this movie. It's because he sucks. No, what? he doesn't no, suck he, in this movie. No, no, he's, he's, I, I remember, I mean, the movie remembered that Han Solo sucks. Oh, okay. No, I, I don't even think that, they just point out that he's immature. Yeah, that's and that once they, you know, lose their kid to the dark side, he's, like, going back to what he knows. But I thought that, like, I like the idea of Han becoming older and wiser and then just kind of losing his grip a little for mm-hmm. dad reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like that a lot. Yeah. Uh, all right, go on, Kyle. I thought the you film was fine. Yeah. What? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I thought it was fine. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's all I really have to say about it. I feel like I should see it again because I... I have so little to say about it other than how unambitious it felt to me. <clears throat> like, I understand that the prequel movies are not very good, but at least they had, they wanted to do something interesting, and I don't feel like this did anything interesting to me. I've heard a lot of people say that, but I don't know, I thought this movie was interesting. Even, like, as something kind of revisiting a lot of the older movies' themes, I thought it was interesting. Mm-hmm. Eh, like, all, like, they, they had the same desert planet but gave it a new name they had a snow planet and gave it a new name and like why mm-hmm. i mean the there's <clears throat> I, I what i admire about um the other uh star wars movies um not limited to prequels is that they wanted to really ex- push the boundaries so to speak um and play with scale and this felt very small to me and in an interesting way like I, I it wasn't very interesting to me however 
that being said, I did appreciate the kind of juxtaposition of characters like Rey against these large um, battleships that have crashed and fallen and this this constant thematic underpinning of um, of something old or something um, archaic being revived, like Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yes, and with regards to Poe and Finn, <laughs> I think that's bullshit. So much bullshit. Like, I am so... Yes, I, I am in favor of queer readings of things, but you know, when there's substantial textual evidence, which there's not here. Oh my god, they look at each other. Ah! I mean, if you want to go do a movie about looks and glances and whatnot, go see Carol, which is great. Oh my gosh, they, they, he let, he keeps the jacket. Woo! That doesn't... That's... Ah, it's, it's very, that's very why they, like, That's why it's called it... They call it fan fiction, Kyle, because you can read into it what you want. Also, like the idea that you're prescribing that like teens go see a stodgy movie about stuff in the fifties instead of like read stuff in the media that's actually for them, I think is really presumptuous. Huh? Like Carol's probably good, but Carol is like art film for adults. And it's about actual like lesbianism. Like I don't think that's the same thing as this. This is about teens like seeing or not teens, but people seeing it and just having fun with you know what's there it's not about like well there are are as many think pieces about this subject as there are on in anything else regarding star wars i've seen like seven Mm -hmm. and we're not talking about that we're just talking about the i don't know i think it's fine i think there are seven think think pieces talking about how poe is a gay character so like like i guess my thing is like that's fine like that's something that happens yeah i can't stop them but i think it's I find it very irritating. I guess my thing is Maybe like I don't, don't think read it's... the think pieces. Yeah, like, that's my advice. I don't like I the guess... way that the way that like actual like fandom engages with movie culture is divorced from the way that writers engage with movie culture, mm-hmm. and like the way writers engage with movie culture often is like oversaturated and toxic and wrings all the joy out of anything. Uh, but if kids just want to put pictures of these cute boys being cute to each other, I don't think there's any harm in that. Yeah, like it's it's not about whether or not it's actually there. It's what these fans saw in it. And like like last night, for instance, I saw a cute tweet that was a fake Finn account going, "I hope that someday somebody looks at you like Poe looks at me in my, in his jacket." And it was just Ugh. like a screenshot of that face he's making. And it's like there's nothing wrong with like there's nothing wrong with teens reading just enjoying that. The thing. In- not, I like, know I sound like I an think, old man. I don't think it's just teens though. I, 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 people right. my age, and I'll be That's thirty true. tomorrow. So it's like, uh, I it's just a fun, silly thing. I mean, you saw the same thing with the Marvel movies. Like, I have a friend that is still shipping. Captain America and Tony Stark, you know, and I think like, that's irritating too. I, there's I'm just, an old nothing, man. It's just a fun thing. It's not about whether or not like the writers meant for it to be there or that these people are right or wrong. It's just a, a a byproduct of. I mean, you wouldn't have it if it weren't for Kirk and Spock, and I'm sure they never had anything other than fraternal flirtation between them. But like, but well, even with know? Kirk and Spock, I think there's enough textual evidence to suggest something interesting. This, I just think there's two things, and then people are running with it and writing think pieces about it. I don't know. I think it's a little dismissive because it's like their 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 friendship is so not what you see 
between men in movies nowadays. It's mm-hmm. it, they seemed like even I was a little taken aback by how they reacted to one another when after uh, Finn thought that Poe had died and that hug they give each other. Like I expected some joke of like a gay panic joke, or I expected a weird love triangle to emerge, which is not to say that probably won't happen in the next film. Who knows? I hope not. But I actually think that it's cool to like, I think people are reading it that way because it's, uh, you know, one of those things where it's like, is it friendship or is it something more? And that's just speculation. It's fun for people. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, we will have to agree to disagree. I, I get not relating to it, but like finding it obnoxious is just so crotchety. <laughs> I, uh, this is old news that I am a crotchety old man. Yeah, I guess. It's yeah, sad because you're, aren't you the youngest one here? Also, like, it's fine no, to Jackson's be like... It's fine to be cantankerous, but don't do it in a way that upholds, like, systemic problems with society, please. It's gross. It's not a good look. I think you should explain how he's doing that, though, because I don't know if that's fair to like, pin it on him. This idea, actually... this idea that just because people are, like, writing think pieces about it, like, and the textual evidence is a little flimsy, that, like, people can't have these queer reads and, like, the biggest thing. Like, people don't see movies saw, saw Star not... Wars. But, like, then, not like, reading them, like, that go see. not do this. Like, I just said that they irritated me. I never except, said that they Except for the part where you're, like, stop playing around with dumb Star Wars and go see Carol. That's a real movie. Like, the snobbery is, like, obnoxious. Like, don't. Don't do that. I think that's less about Kyle trying to uphold something and more about Kyle just being. But it, but it, I'm not saying it's intentional, but it does do that. I know, but like, just you know, don't put words in his mouth. I guess. I'm gonna go back to actually talk about the movie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the thing that I liked about it was the uh, the way that it uh, so much of the plot happened in this gap, and it to me was about what happens when you lose sight of the thing you're trying to do like luke skywalker is essentially responsible in a kind of direct way for the events of this movie by just fucking off to nowhere uh all of the main characters in some way i guess except leia leia stays the course but both luke and han uh, when their life gets difficult in a big way like their son turns on them they uh give up from the thing that they were trying to do at the end of the last movies and now this new generation has to come in and pick up their mistakes which i like a lot as like the ongoing grand tragedy repeating forever that is star wars because uh, that's why a lot of the um complaints about remix culture and everything uh felt weird to me because it's it's been like a literary tradition for literally millennia to have oh, this happened and then it happened slightly differently and they affect the kids and it keeps going around in different circles. I'm like, that is an established form and has been forever. So You I know what it... Oh, mm-hmm. oh sorry. You, you got to, you just to point out that, like, one of the things that reminded me of the most is, like, a condensed Bollywood movie. Does that <laughs> make sense? Like, how it follows these parents. Like, if, if, if New Hope and... <laughs> Force Awakens were one long movie, it would make sense in a Bollywood context. <laughs> That's and it would good. be perfectly cromulent, <laughs> for lack gonna, of a better word. Have a big dance. Oh, man, it would be improved if they were the dance sequence. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I just mean, like, as far as what you're talking about. Because like, uh, that's what Bollywood movies, like, or even, like, I'm trying to think, Korean dramas kind of start that way, where first you meet the protagonist's parents, and you see their story, and then the protagonist is born... And ages, and you get to see that person's story. 
Uh, what did uh, you think of it, Matt, as as a movie? Because you wanted to go first, and now you're last. Sorry. Uh, it's fine. I don't know. Uh. It's Star Wars. <laughs> I, like, yeah. I was delighted in that I got to sit down for a Star Wars movie, and I like you could like guess what was happening, but like by the end of that movie, I was like, I don't know where this is going, and that's exciting. I want to see like this universe again and have there be a sense of wonder and potential to it Mm -hmm. as much as I like the prequels. And I really do. I like them more than the original trilogy. I really like Clone Wars. Um, I like, there's a inevitability to it all that feels so trapping, like, especially because the interesting things are so much on their periphery. Like Ahsoka is so much more interesting than Anakin and Obi-Wan's story, but eventually you know that the narrative dictates that their narratives will overrun hers. And that sucks. But now we have a new thing where like the future of what it could be is unwritten. And that's great. I I hope they make up something cool. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, I agree. I think I, cause I tweeted a bit about this, uh, I think a lot of that comes from the fact that Star Wars was kind of like thematically complete. So, like Star Wars is a the six films that exist is a very complete thing. So where do, what is, I don't know what the ending is now. Like you say, like I don't know if it's like it should probably the good guys win in and like um, Kylo Ren gets redeemed or whatever. But I don't know. It could go. I, I you know like, you're right. I have no idea, and that's cool. Uh, do we want that for him? Are we rooting for I him? I don't know. I, I like him too much. I. You know, I, I I like him in a way I've never liked Vader. Like Vader was just kind of funny to me, and Anakin makes me angry. And I think he's a child murderer, and I get angry whenever I see people wearing Darth Vader stuff because I'm a ridiculous person. But <laughs> uh, Kylo Ren is a guy. I'm like, you know what? Hey, he'll be all right. He'll be all right. He'll be all right. <laughs> the poor child. The poor child. Yeah, kind of poor child. I couldn't help but think of Francis Ha every time he was on screen, and him like saying things like. Um, isn't Jay Leno the coolest? <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. It's pretty good, but yeah, that's the Star Wars. We all watched it. We had a fun time. We did it. We did it, everybody! Hooray! Hooray. Star Wars. Uh, has anyone <laughs> seen any other movies that we want to get into before the movie club this this month? I saw Forty Five Years, which is the new Andrew Haig film. Did I talk about this? Nope. Okay, good. It's it's exceedingly um, devastating, actually. Um, It's about this this couple who uh, are a week away from celebrating their forty fifth wedding anniversary. They're played by Charlotte Rampling and Tom Courtney, Um, and the week before the party, um, the husband gets a letter saying that they found this woman. Um, who was frozen on a cliff and it turns out to be his former lover before those two got married and she's been perfectly preserved they were actually going to get married and this kind of ends up eating away at their relationship and um, it forces both of them to recontextualize their entire identities both with respect to each other and by themselves and it's it's uh, Andrew Haig is the guy who directed Weekend, and he was also uh, heavily involved in the TV show Looking. And it's um, aesthetically dissimilar. Um, it, it's uh, 
similarly naturalistic but in a much less intimate way i guess it's shot much more like um the camera is a ghost and it's this lurking thing uh, prying into the lives of this this old married couple and it's really really incredible the final music cue is really devastating so 45 years was really great it's one of my favorites of 2015 it's good uh, yeah, I've not seen it, but I'd like to have heard good things. Uh, what it does that? a really good oh. job at articulating the kind of sadomasochistic relationship we have with time, particularly the past and the present. Mm-hmm. Like cool. the like when you kind of want to know um, the, the answer to a question, but also don't want to hear the answer, but you pick at that scab anyways, which is something I think Andrew Haig said during my interview with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, great stuff. Cool. Uh, Destiny, have you seen anything interesting? I saw Hateful Eight, and yeah, it was interesting. I don't know. I'm all over the place with that movie. Like, I feel like it came out a bit more positive than I feel now. It's it's a it's a strange little movie. Mm-hmm. Did I've, you see I've the Rojo version? Yes, I did. I I enjoyed that aspect of it. Like. I won't spoil anything for the sake of Jackson, but like the roadshow version uh, was a bit longer than the regular release and it has um, an intermission and an overture and it made you feel excited to be at the movies in a very like cliche young person way that I love. Um, And that's part of the reason I always kind of cut Tarantino a little slack is because I think he, like me, is very much in love with just that feeling of sitting in the dark watching a film. Um, I don't. I kind of uh, have a love hate relationship with how indulgent he ha- uh, tends to be in with uh, this film uh, because I kind of feel like a lot of the preciousness about the presentation and the format is kind of um, not really worth it. But I mean, it's one of those movies I'll probably never forget, even if I don't know exactly if i like it or not like i think overall i did enjoy it like i i i I enjoyed sitting through it i enjoyed thinking about it but it's it's a strange little movie with a twisted little message i I, also saw that i was gonna uh i i saw it with destiny and i think the hateful eight is kind of garbage yes Um, (laughs) i uh i i think it's I think it's like one of the most lovingly created cynical jokes about people who like Tarantino I've ever seen. Like it is him setting fire to like his critical legacy in this really intentional way that I think is like fascinating, but I think it's like small meanness uh, about itself is really off putting. Uh, And I can't, I I don't want to talk about it without spoilers, but I found it like fascinating to watch, but I think it's a uh, like a thematic like middle finger to everyone who wants Tarantino to be like serious film director and people who like try to like create apologia for what he is. Uh, and it's just the most Tarantino goddamn movie I've ever seen. It's like yeah. an, it, it's even when it's like amazing. It's also this like fussy little temper tantrum, and I kind of appreciate that, but. I will probably never watch that again. It's probably my least favorite of his movies. Yeah, it's a 
it it's a doozy. Let's just say that. It's a doozy. I, I enjoyed the second half way more than the first half. I enjoyed the first half way more than the second half. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that I cannot get into without spoiling, so I'm not going to talk about it. Um, I thought it was pretty garbage. Um, it was like so bad that it made me want to reevaluate his entire career as not as good as I probably thought. Mm. It made me wonder, like, has he been writing only five different? characters this entire time i mean sure but like every like big like director with a strong editorial voice does that yeah you look at like him and wes anderson no but here i don't have a big thing for wes anderson but no but i'm thinking like i'm thinking of like scorsese or lars on they just write the same kind of character over and over again okay but um like that that, like it's fine that that's the way it is I get that, but I think um, so many people put so much weight into uh, the dialogue that Tarantino writes as being so unique and, and singular that here it feels so transparent that maybe it's not as singular as everyone thought it was. Oh, it, because it's definitely not. Especially I felt in a that way to... by... Oh, go on. Sorry. I was it gonna... feels... One of us needs to go. It no, feels no, no. like all of his worst tendencies and, and habits rolled up into a three-hour movie, which is kind of agonizing to watch because, like, you hope it's going to be interesting, and then it ends up just being very plotting. Like, so I don't have a bat. I don't have a thing against exposition, but I have a thing against certain presentations of it. And someone made like some sort of subtweet about me about like not liking Tennessee Williams, which is not true because I do like Tennessee Williams, but this. It feels like every line, regardless of whether it's supposed to be about self narratology and, and self and the lies that we tell with regard to the American dream or anything about that, but it felt like you could predict what line was supposed to represent what structurally. So, I don't agree, but I can't get into it. However, I will say that like regardless of that stuff, I think that like while I don't like the movie, I was thoroughly entertained for three hours. Even when it was like a entertainment that i felt kind of bad about it's like this is garbage but i think it's like so deftly made it's like if your favorite comedian tells like a really offensive joke that's how i feel about hateful eight (laughs) see as somebody who has a really high tolerance for schlock uh i there's just it was kind of impossible to dislike this movie (laughs) like it, it felt like the kind of like slow tacky movie that would have come out 40 years ago and then just be like totally forgotten for specific but but memorable for a very specific reason okay so, so as somebody who appreciates schlock this felt like the kind of movie that was like really impossible to dislike uh but at the same time like i guess matt and i kind of talked about this back and forth the night after we saw it, it was just sort of like, I don't think movies like this make sense in 2015 into 2016. But I think as like a movie that could have come out 40 years ago, it makes weird sense. <laughs> I don't know. But like, but like to me, those are characters that very much feel like characters written in a, from a, from a different era, uh, movie context context wise like i don't know if that makes sense like it felt like a 70s movie and i know that's a weird thing to say about a tarantino's movie tarantino movie but it felt like a 70s movie 
in a way that like yeah like like in a way that like the movies where he intentionally tries like where in Pulp Fiction it felt really really artificial in this movie it felt really genuine does that make sense yes here's a question so I I wholeheartedly believe that the presentation gimmick was pretty much nothing but a gimmick um, and a troll move but do you think that the languid um, excruciatingly, excruciatingly slow pace of the film was intentional? Yes, yeah. but I can't. I cannot talk about it. Why? Because, because Jackson, Jackson hasn't, hasn't seen, seen it. it. I've been putting my headphones in and out because this was. I specifically started this podcast with like, right? Goal number one: not have people yell about hateful light in my ear because I want to be there for that. <laughs> no, when Jackson's seen it, we'll have a real discussion about it. But we can't. Well, I don't think Matt will. Her. I don't think Matt will. I mean, but I'll talk I to Jackson like about it. <laughs> yeah. No, but like, you the, know, I, mm-hmm. once you see it, I want to hear your opinions oh, yeah, on yeah. this podcast. Okay. Um, surprisingly, well, I I kind of knew going in that I was probably not going to like it, but I didn't like it for the reasons that I thought I wouldn't like it because everyone was making it big to do about certain content stuff that would. Uh, offend my sensibilities and that the stuff that he's been doing his whole career with the n-word and treatment of women yes Um, (laughs) which you know i get that context matters especially within his career which doesn't excuse it by any means but like no people made a really people made a really big deal out of this um and so i was ready to um clutch my pearls i guess but that didn't end up happening. I ended up disliking it for other reasons. I, oh, uh, also, it feels sloppy as fuck. I miss Sally Menke. Uh, I mean, that's a very that's poorly fun. edited film. Poor one out for her, of course, obviously. But yeah. um, I, I think that movie edges really close to my tolerance for that kind of like content stuff, and I would not recommend it on to anybody on those terms. Like, I think. That movie coming out this year feels like like super juvenile is all I'll say without getting explicit. Like I I do feel like it's juvenile, but like I guess I just don't in my mind, like I can kind of see why he can get away with it. I'm not saying it's okay. I'm not saying like well yeah, but like I meant like in a more like he's Tarantino and I kind of see where he's coming from on some stuff. Like he wants the characters to sound like how the characters could talk. That's his big ridiculous defense for the content. And like, I understand that it gets tiresome, but I feel like, I don't know, even though I don't think he's a very smart person, I think like his viewpoints and his other films have kind of like, I don't know. I, I, see the line he's following so it doesn't i don't know it doesn't bother me as much as it probably should but i will say that it it does get tiresome and i hope that he's kind of gotten it out of his system now with this let's hope let's hope he's on to something a little more interesting well oh yeah this also made me wonder if he ever had anything interesting to say about race and gender see no i see i always think he has but, I mean, I don't think he's ever had anything interesting to say about race. I think there's but, interesting reads of Django you, that are uh, like there's interesting reads of Django, but I think that anytime he opens his mouth, it's clear that they are just maybe accidental. I think his gender stuff is only interesting in a world in which there are very few prolific female directors, especially in America, that make these kind of movies. Mm-hmm. I think that he 
he, um, I don't know, he's kind of all over the place, but, like, where he's tried to nail stuff down, I feel like, as far as, like, gender stuff, I think Kill Bill is an excellent movie for that, and I think that so is, uh, Inglorious Bastards. And as far as race, Django is my favorite Tarantino film, just because I like the the anger that runs through it. I think it comes across less as juvenile and more as, like, justified in a way that doesn't exist in Hateful Eight. Uh, I obviously haven't seen it, but I would uh, always, like, try to fight against the tendency to, like, fight against, uh, think, oh, this person made a bad movie on this front. Does this make their the rest of their work retroactively invalid? in this yeah, in these areas I can't like, do that to cuz even if like the culture has grown a lot since the first Tarantino movies came out and like the ways they were important there are other things filling uh, those gaps and more diverse filmmakers uh getting to a wider audience with uh you know the internet being a big reason for that uh even if you know things aren't actually very good yet but uh that doesn't mean you should say oh this like of course these problems were always there in Tarantino films but they still have value they're still uh yeah i don't want to I don't think Hateful Eight is going to make me say this means that I don't like Kill Bill now. I just never took him that seriously just from the get-go. I mean, mm. it's probably the first like first and last time I took the man seriously. It was probably the years of my late teens when I was deeply like preoccupied with being like him as a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to make movies. And I watched Pulp Fiction and Jackie Brown 30,000 times. They're really good <laughs> I think those were the, that was the last time I took them real seriously. No, they're great I movies. I've seen those I, two in a very long time. Oh, I need to read Jackie Brown. Death still Proof love is my them. favorite. Death Proof is my it's it's up it's in my top three. My favorite's Django, Jackie Brown in close like second, and then Death Proof close third, and then on some days they'll switch around. Nice. Well, I think I'm I'm bringing that talk to an end so we uh can move on to what Matt's seen and then I'll quickly do me and then we'll do the movie club movie. No, I, I got a flight. That's all I had to talk about. Okay. So. Uh, I, I don't know, what should I choose? I saw Kingsman. Yeah. I guess. That's a baffling I'm movie. I'm sorry. I, it's, well, I don't know. I know uh, that's a movie I do not want to spoil for. Uh, Wait, I actually, I, I, I want to see it and I don't know anything about why people are angry or like really torn about it. Cause I've seen people say that it's great. And I've seen people say that it's garbage and I, Jackson said both are true and I need to know why. Both are true. Both people. Are <laughs> uh, I, I want to hear this. Um, you know, actually I might say that till Matt's seen it. Oh, come on. I mean, I'll just, I'll just do something else for a second and you talk and let me know. All right. I'm going to listen in cause I don't care either way. Okay. So I'll go a bit, I'm, I'll try not to be super explicit, but I'll be, more explicit than if Matt was the same. There's nothing to spoil in that movie. There is 100% something spoiled in that movie. That movie has one of the most surprisingly like uh, pointed critiques in a populist blockbuster I've seen. What? Uh, is that being what? The scene <laughs> the, the scene at the end with the fireworks. Uh-huh. It's striking. It is a striking scene. Uh, that movie uh, constructs out of its narrative an argument uh, about uh, the, uh, the solution for the financial elite being awful and wanting the poor to kill each other and earnestly posits the solution to be you know kill all the financial elite like that is 100% what this movie does and I have 
it is daring in a way I have never seen. But it doesn't even then the very next scene it continues to like worship the idea of the Kingsman as James Bond esque spies, and every single character who lives in the London Estates is a uh, just a cliche of uh, inner city London um, like misery porn. And it has no compassion for the poor people it is meant to be advocating for. Uh, and so it doesn't even realize what its own themes are. And the fact that both of those things exist next to each other in the movie is astounding to me. Because it has something like genuinely really interesting and coherent. And then it completely deliberately undercuts that. It's not like it's muddled. It just has both of those movies right next to each other. And I don't understand. Yeah, we're going to have to agree to disagree. Well, it's garbage. What you, I mean, I didn't say it was a good movie. I just thought that it was stuff. I don't think about both it. of those. I don't think that. I think you're giving it too much credit. Maybe. That's 100% what I might be doing. But I was. I think I think it's it's sort of interesting in that it attempts to be a critique of um, the class system, but at the same time kind of upholds it. But that's, that's what I'm saying. That's what Jackson said. Oh, sorry. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> But I don't think it's very much invested into it being critique. I think that's why it's baffling. Just, just a guess. Well, yeah. Well, it's yeah. It's it's the scene with the fireworks where uh, I guess I'll just spoil it. Basically, what happens in Destiny is they realize to save the world. So the plot of the villain has been to uh, save the human race by making sure, like, ensuring the future by wiping out a large chunk of the population. And the way that's... he does that is by putting the signal out that makes everyone want to uh like fight each other to death but all the rich people and the people who can afford it can get these chips which allow them to sit and watch as the poor beat each other to death uh and get passage into the new world and the way they'd solve this problem is by setting all those chips to explode and anyone who decided to take a seat at this party and watch all uh, the lower class die is immediately condemned. And I don't, I don't even know if I agree. I don't agree with that. It's like a super juvenile view of how class works. But for a mainstream populist movie, it was shocking to see that kind of uh, just ideas and rhetoric advocated in even this broad cartoonish sense. For yeah. them to then not understand what they were saying by what happened around that was crazy it was ridiculous it's interesting yeah well weird <laughs> but like low ed, low ed. it's a weird movie i could Strange see how movie. you have that conflicting viewpoint towards it then mm-hmm. but yeah that's that and i thought the guy was hot <laughs> who's the guy in that uh, i don't know he's a he's a new guy i think that was his first film oh okay because i'm like it i can name's hard to pronounce and very british is it the guy from... No, wait, he wasn't in anything else. Who Taron else is in that movie? Egerton. Oh, I don't know him. Oh, that's him. Okay, that makes sense. He kind of looks like um, a model that I admire. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, no, the guy was Colin Firth. <laughs> okay, yep. Okay, I remember this movie now. Yep. But, yeah. I don't know if I'd want to sit through it, but uh, I'm glad to know. Mm-hmm. How did you feel about the anal sex joke, Jackson? It was it was bad. I don't know. It was fine. I don't know. Like it was, it was in line with a lot of the other shit in that movie. I felt that uh, Samuel Jackson's character was probably way worse. Was, oh yeah, he's in that too. Yeah. He's in everything. He is. He's, he don't say no. What's that weird lisp he was doing? Yep. 
Samuel L. Jackson? Yeah, he's doing a uh, I'm a rich campy gay, campy gay uh Bye. was gay. Person. He was playing camp in that movie. Like his, the whole joke was he was the camp flamboyant man. Like that was the joke. That is. That oh movie. wow! I did not get that joke. <laughs> it's probably not done very well. It was even done for very like well. a tasteless joke. Uh, but I don't sounds know. like. Mm-hmm. Go on. I was just. I, was saying, I, I thought some of the it had some good acting. scenes. The scene with the parachutes was really good, just as a constructed piece of tension that happened to be in the middle of this movie. <laughs> Did you write about it? I know you I did. write about movies sometimes. Okay, so everybody go to headfallsoff.com and read Jackson's analysis yep. of uh, this film. It's just this in longer form. But let's move on to the movie club. Hooray! Yeah, Movie Club this week was Destiny's Pick. What did we watch? Month, month, this month was Destiny's Pick. What did we watch? I picked Trouble Every Day, a Claire Denis film starring Vincent Gallo and some other people about these people looking at each other and saying things with their eyes. <laughs> and <laughs> every once in a while. And their mouths, they say. Oh, no, and their, their mouths. Don't forget their mouths. But not, not and speaking. Comic Sans fan, font. Yeah, I did, I did laugh at the font and the credits. <laughs> I didn't even notice. It wasn't but quite it, Comic Sans. It was Comic Sans-esque. I didn't even notice. That's really delightful. But anyway, and everybody was very serious. And then oh. they were very sexy. And then oh. they were very contemplative. And then they were very like, Ooh. and then every once in a while, every once in a while, uh-huh. there would be blood. <gasps> oh, we yeah. should have watched There Will Be Blood. That'd be a much better use of our <laughs> oh, time. Can we do There Will Be Blood next time? It's my turn. I'll, I own it. I can. We can watch it. Yeah, I anyway, I didn't like this movie. Yeah. And I like slow movies, and I like schlocky movies. This movie was like the worst of those kinds you of movies. You <laughs> had the audacity halfway through, and I was like, this movie is garbage. I can't believe we're watching this. To say, obviously you just don't like small, slow movies. Yeah. And now you come at me with this. Well, I love I mean, slow movies. This is, this is what I, I thought halfway through. I love slow movies, too. Because I was like, I thought, this movie is garbage, but then the other part of me was like, Jackson, clearly you just don't like this, and you're not smart enough. But then I thought, I, I am, yeah. yeah, I stand by my convictions when I make them. Uh, that des- movie. I, I, I'm defending myself to Matt. I was more of the opinion of, oh, this is going to be one of those movies where it's going to work its way up to something here. No, <laughs> no, no. I, there is one scene in particular yep, that when it scene. happened, I was like, no, this movie is garbage. There's nothing here. Uh, it tries so hard, and that's the part that makes me kind of sad. It tries so hard. She bites but, that man to death. That was yeah. That part good. was cool. That was yep, that's good. the highlight of the movie, but, but then, that's not the see, scene that. Yeah, it yeah. Was, when you see uh, this tension between this hotel maid and Vincent Gallo, it's like, oh, he's gonna do that to her, and I just don't yeah. care. Oh, I don't the, want it. The I hotel want it maid. Thing. He's already so gross, and he's already like assaulting strange women as it as as the film goes on, and then it's like, oh, he's just gonna. All right. And then the movie has the nerve to like put that as part of the climax, and it's just like, what are you even trying to say, <laughs> Kyle? Why do you like this movie? <laughs> I didn't say I like this movie. Kyle, word. I'm sorry, I won't put words in your mouth. Mm-hmm. Kyle, why are you disappointed that we seem to hate this movie so much? <laughs> I'm not disappointed. I think it's okay. I don't hate it as much as y'all do. But I je- definitely do not understand why everyone seems to love it within the critical community. Mm. Did you read the thing I sent you? 
I skimmed through it. Yeah, when like I was that was going to I the sent bathroom. It, <laughs> good, good. I sent out this uh, slate analysis that was it Andrew? It was Andy O'Hare. Andy O'Hare yeah, wrote, yeah. Um, pretty much praising the movie because I wanted everybody to read it to understand like the critical consensus of this film, and I still don't quite under like. It just I want to point that. out that Wikipedia says that movie has a forty-five percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and while I don't hold any weight in Rotten Tomatoes, <laughs> critical darling, this movie is not. No, you're, <laughs> you're absolutely right. Um, but like, just saying that, like, I know that in certain circles it is a critical darling, and that's you know partially why I was drawn to it because I was like, oh, it's a movie about cannibalism that like is held in high regard. You don't see that a whole lot. Uh, so uh, I picked it because I thought, well, and also the trailer just has all the tension and the erotic, um, like erotic. I don't know what word I'm looking for, but like the things that made the trailer makes it look like this grand erotic thriller. That's very artful and, and yucky as far as like blood and guts. But then when you're actually sitting through the movie, it's like everything is kind of laid out in this weird way where, you know, you've got this doctor taking care of this woman who is his lover and she's got this problem where she's seducing men and eating them. And then you've got this other couple who's on their honeymoon in Paris. They're an American couple, Mr. and Mrs. Brown. And so it's laid out that, you know, these couples are going to interact in some way and either it's going to be sexy or bloody. Like, that's kind of what you're, you're thinking. But then the movie just kind of, like, it lays everything out, but it doesn't really give much more away other than, like, this really thin science plot. Science, Matt called it science fiction, but I felt like I was giving it a little too much credit. <laughs> but, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, cannibalism, it's science fiction on its face. But I just meant as far as, like, trying to convey... Yeah. Go on. There, there's literally a moment, and this is the moment where I realized that we are watching the hottest garbage, where there's a flashback of Vincent Gallo and some lady talking about how, like, she was like, this was never meant to be tested on humans. All you wanted was the money. And then he oh, stares shit. stupidly That's at it. her. <laughs> and she repeats it, like, twice again. It's like, all you wanted was the money. And it's just <laughs> like, no, if she you says, took... She says... Three times in a row, what is your stance on betrayal? (laughs) (laughs) He took all of the plot machinations of like a sci-fi original movie and boiled them down to one scene and told people to art the hell out of it. This is what you'd get. (laughs) What is your stance on betrayal? (laughs) I mean, I put out a positive because this was a terrible film. Uh, My positive... Oh, well, I guess I should have thought of them before I said that. You know, um, if uh, if we want, if you wanted a, like an art cannibal movie, we could have just watched Ravenous again. Ravenous is actually good. Ravenous was a good movie. I forgot about that movie. That's yeah. the one with all the Civil War era men. Yeah. In the oh gosh, it reminded. There's a lot of uh, hateful eight in there. Yeah, except uh, yeah, Ravenous yeah, is also yeah. an actual good movie. <laughs> Just uh, anybody who hasn't seen Ravenous should see Ravenous, and that's also a movie that I feel like has a better. That's such a. This is such a jerk thing to say, but like, I thought, and this is like, this is a, such a second wave thing for me to say, but for a movie directed by a lady, a lot of uh, like, languorous shots of lady nudity that bothered the heck out of me, and um, I don't know. 
maybe, and that's just me. I'm not even gonna try to put anything on anyone. That was just that, that bothered me. Mm -hmm. It bothered me as well. It felt purposeless. Just like, oh, here's a tit. And I mean, like, I think it was supposed to be saying, like, you know, let's make it more smoldering around here. Ooh. This is what this is what these men want. This let's is turn what, this heat you know, up. <laughs> like, like when you think about cannibalism, you do like sex does have a cannibalistic element to it. And I get that, like, some of those images are to evoke that, but it felt so goofy and disjointed that it just and never boring. worked. Yep. Yes, and boring. The only scene that actually does what the movie is purporting to do is where she fingers that bite hole in that guy's shoulder. And yeah. It's the most amazing, like, three seconds of footage. <laughs> it's so awful. It made me, like, that was the one part where I did cringe. I went, bull! Yeah, no, me too. I was like, oh! <laughs> <laughs> and you're right. It's the only scene. That evoked the only a reaction. <laughs> um, did everybody here see Under the Skin? Yes. Yeah. That's, an, that's another great movie about similar subject matter. That's a fantastic movie. Yeah, should have picked that. I'm really sorry, everybody. I know the uh, the movie choice has no reflection on the chooser, but I feel real bad about this one. <laughs> no, it's all right. I mean, we got to laugh about how Vincent Gallo looks like the most Vincent Gallo-y scumbag that's ever existed in that movie. He just, he just never stops. Every time he did something sleazy in that movie, I would turn him out and say, and Vincent Gallo as himself. <laughs> <laughs> the facial hair was so bad, they started trying to fuck while the hotel maid is like m making the bed around them. <laughs> so, so that was your reaction, but my reaction while they were lying there was like, like, why didn't she make the bed before they got there? What kind of crazy <laughs> hotels exist in Paris? <laughs> I was thinking, I was thinking as someone who had to make beds, I was like, wow, I get fired for that. <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> isn't that funny? But yeah, no, that movie le left nothing. Like, it, it didn't even feel like fun, or it didn't feel sexy. Like everything it wanted to convey, I feel like it failed horribly at. I like the end of the movie where she turns to Vincent Gallo when he's like washing up and she goes, God, there truly is trouble every day. <laughs> Jackson, don't shitpost your own podcast. I love it. I love it. Um, I, I, I think, okay, um, let's make a new tradition for 2016. Every time we watch something we universally dislike, we should pick one scene that we liked or one image that we liked. Was and the, I, I will it. go first. And maybe we already did this in a way, but mine was uh, when you first meet Vincent Gallo's character and he goes into the bathroom in the the plane. I liked the little flash of him seeing his wife covered in blood and how he's actually getting away from her because these are his urges. Even though that's kind of a cliche thing to do, I thought that was an, a well-photographed uh, 20 seconds. Mm-hmm. Uh. <laughs> The, I remember this one shot of the happiest looking dog. Looking <laughs> <laughs> it was the collie that looked like it was driving the car. <laughs> there was that scene. Like, sure. I wish this movie was about a collie that could drive. <laughs> he gets into trouble every day. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> I assume Matt's is the fingering. <laughs> yeah, though if I have to point out something that I thought was delightful mm -hmm. was that those like kids that were breaking into the apartment apparently cased the joint for like three days, <laughs> like the least effective burglars ever. Well, wasn't the implication that that was just cutting back to that? No, because like days had passed because he was doing his like search around the city and stuff. Like yeah. there had been cuts to nighttime and cuts back to daytime in the time that that happened. And one of them says like, "Oh, he's on routine because he like 
when the doctor gets home. Like, they're paying attention to what time he leaves and what time he arrives. Wait, I like that they have the wherewithal to case the joint for, like, a week, but then just no. kick in a window and it's time to break in. I am convinced <laughs> that, that the first scene where you see them going is, like, a flash forward and then, like, that no. all happens on the same day. It has to. No, nope. that's you, not. No, she's the in. She sees them looking at the apartment before she breaks out the first time when she like saws through the door. Oh, <laughs> what the fuck! <laughs> 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 oh. Happy dog. I'm sorry. That was really funny. Uh, Kyle, um, I liked the scene where she was walking down the hall and covering the wall with blood. That's a pretty scene. They they put that in the trailer quite a bit, so people were into that, I guess. Because it was even in, like, the trailer. Like, somebody did a fan trailer for some movie theater airing it and airing it, uh, showing it, and they, they kept using that scene a lot. And I was like, it's it's a good scene, but I wish there had been more scenes of that. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, I guess that's... And does anyone have any final thoughts? Does Carl have anything more to say? I feel like we dominated this just shit posting our way through it. Uh, well, that was mostly me. I won't put that on anyone else. Uh, but Kyle, have you got anything more? No, I do not. And that is the most damning thing we could say. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. I guess that's a podcast. What's the next movie? That's a good question. Kyle? Oh, I forgot it was my turn to choose. Uh, <laughs> oh, whoops. Do you want to... Um, can you give me like 30 seconds? Yep. Yep. We're here for you. We'll give Very you 45. I'm so glad that you're here for my support. Um, <laughs> are you looking you, at, you're you're looking at a timer, time, aren't you, to go around to a minute? <laughs> oh, wait. What are the odds? Is No, nah, that's bad and illegal. I was going to say, why don't we watch The Lobster, but that's technically not released yet, and the only way to watch that is illegally. What is that? Yep. The The Lobster is a film by Greek director Yogos Lantimos, who did Dogtooth and Alps. (gasps) I love Dogtooth! This is about this uh, dystopia um, where if you're single, you have to go to this prison basically in a hotel you have 45 days to find a mate if you don't find one within those 45 days and you get turned into an animal that's amazing i hope that comes out uh let's do the lobster no because like while i'm fine finding old movies for us out of print i'm i'm weirdly opposed to getting things that just aren't released yet i mean it's okay it's it's out for me i can go get it but you can't yes can can you do that for us no i mean i can see it in the cinema uh, it's yeah. not out in America yet. Yeah, we'll wait for it, I'll and then we'll do it as a club yeah. movie. Sorry, Kyle. Wow. Oh. Um, can we just watch Dogtooth? No, I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> I don't know if I can sit wait, through it again. Do you, not, do you not like Dogtooth, Matt? I do. I just I don't want to. I like. I feel like we. I want to do something people haven't seen. Like that's the whole point. Okay, just give me a second. Take your time, Mr. Kyle. Oh, uh, what about Tropical Malady? What's I that? don't even know what that is. Tropical Malady is by the director who did Uncle Boon Me. Uh, okay, Malady. I remember that movie when it happened, but I've never heard of Tropical... What's it about? Gays. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're going to have to be more specific on this one, Kyle. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> um, 
I don't know what it's about other than it's by, um, I believe, a Taiwanese director. Two thousand four. Yep. Um, it's about a soldier stationed in a quiet Thai village, where the day progress, where the days progress with methodical slowness. Not much happens of interest until Kang encounters local boy Tong, and the pair begin a tentative romance. Hey, it's only like an hour and sixteen minutes. No, wait. It's the version hours. on YouTube is the. Google says it's two hours and five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, do you want to do that one? I guess we can. Yeah. Yes, it's Valentine's month, so let's pick that. <laughs> Great. Okay. Yeah, it is. Uh, I have not seen this myself, but this cute publicist from LA sent me a box of DVDs. Hey. In Thai, the original title of this movie is Monster. Cool. Well, mm. yeah, so... Next month, we are doing Kyle. Tropical Malady by a Pitchapong Wear Squirrel. I don't know. <laughs> you tried. Uh, we, we, erase, we erase the cool. He just has his friends call him Joe. Is that true? Yes, it is. Oh, okay. I thought you were making a weird joke, and then I was like, no, that could possibly be true. <laughs> he, I know some people who know him, and they, he, they just call him Joe. I'm really excited about this because it's been a while since we've seen like something truly avant-garde and and as strange sounding as this. Mm-hmm. Cool, I'm excited for that. Thank you very much. Uh, I guess that's the end of the podcast, so everyone can say where we can find them. Destiny, where are you online? At Fridgebuzz now on the Twitter dot com and um, BadlandGirls dot com. Matt and I just recorded an episode. Kind of wrapping up the year in the most half-assed way. But we had fun. <laughs> uh, Kyle. You can find me on Twitter at Tyle Kerner. T-Y-L-E-K-U-R-N-E-R. And you can find me riding around on the internet uh, internet um, at tilekerner.tumblr.com. You can find me at abnormalmapping.com with Jackson and Destiny. We talk about video games. And I'm on Twitter at mbing, E-M underscore being. I am on Twitter at HeadfallsOff, and you can find uh, my writing on HeadfallsOff.com, and obviously I'm on Animal Mapping as well, so yeah. Oh, and GiveZone. We do GiveZone. That's a new yeah, one we're going to record that tonight, probably. Yep. So yeah. Thank you for watching, and go have a good month. Go have a good 2016. Go, I don't know, have a beer, do whatever it is. Have fun. Go. Live your life. <laughs> you don't know what to tell people to do. No, I know nothing. I know nothing. <laughs> Bye. 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 Bye.